Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is the conversation that uh, Rory had with three of the other contributors to the Ireland for All event, uh, Claire O'Connor, Dean Scurry and Dara Adelaide. Where they reflect back on the day that was and where next for the Ireland for All movement. A little bit of housekeeping before we get to it. We need your support to keep the show on the road. We have no ads. We have no sponsors. We rely totally on you, dear listener. Uh, so if you can, please click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's in the podcast you're about to hear. Join us for a month. You'll get access to our entire back catalogue, all in one consolidated fee and completely plea free. There are also member exclusives, uh, as I said, tons of extra content. So please, if you can, one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined on the podcast podcast today by a great trio who uh, were behind and organizing the amazing, incredible day last Saturday, the Ireland for All uh, Solidarity Gathering, which was a historic, historic day. And there's so much negativity and so much difficulty and challenges and that we have covered so much in this podcast and that goes on so much. It really today is a podcast of celebration. Um, we're going to, we're joined by Dean Scurry, by Dara Delide and Claire O'Connor. Um, and we're going to be following up with another podcast as well with others who are involved in Ireland for all um, in the coming weeks. And just before we go into the podcast, a shout out to, if you can, you're probably well aware the um, eviction ban is due to be lifted at the end of March. If you can, I've set up a petition with Uplift. It's over on Uplift. Um, extend the eviction, sign the petition. And we've thousands of signatures already. Please add it in. The government needs to feel the pressure on this. The eviction ban has to be extended. It's something we can do positively to solve homelessness. Um, and also as well, I am speaking, if you're around in Galway, um uh on the 5th of march in charlie burns bookshop organized by the great crew we had on um of artists and activists who we had on the podcast recently you can check it out fela housing and um, they're organizing and that should be a good evening if you're around if you want to come along and slag me or whatever you want to do um listen we're going to get started tony has some news actually breaking news to start us with the pod I know breaking news. Like I'm just proud to throw my hat into the ring as the next former uh, and last leader of the Sock Dems and uh, Sock Dems founder Bertie O'Hearn will be launching my campaign tomorrow afternoon in Little in Ballymun, and there will be a free slice of Hazlitt for anybody who shows up and uh, shows a bit of support. That's free Hazlitt, and I believe Dean Scurry has his own coddle recipe, which he will be supplying to anybody at the door. Thanks, I've Dean. Nev- I've never heard anybody call a Hazlitt. That's very posh. Hazla. Hazla. <laughs> Have you got any Hazla list? No? <laughs> overpriced, overpriced corned beef. That's all that is. I like and listen, Rory's you're sp- part, Tony, of uh, the Bertie Recovery Brigade. Yeah, um, well, well, if Bertie has a podcast now, I have to get into politics. That's the way yeah, it is. You yeah. know? I was really, I, I saw that advertisement for his podcast and I was thinking, um, I think I sent it to you, like it's the generation who uh, screwed up the country and pulled up the ladder behind, leaving everyone else behind, get to chat to each other about how great they are. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, listen, we're going to start. I'm going to go to you first, Claire. Um, how did you feel on Saturday? How did you feel it went? It was incredible, I thought. What did you think? Yeah, it was just incredible. I mean, the energy on the day. Obviously, there was a couple of things. The numbers were obviously massive, but also what I've been hearing hey, from hey, a lot hey, of Hang people, on there a minute now. I saw a video going around. There was only about a thousand people on it. <laughs> Do you know, I'm useless with numbers. Like, I, people were like, it's 30,000, it's 40,000, it's 50,000. I kind of can compare the size of the march. Do you know what? Some drone footage actually came out last night, which is amazing because... The march was so big that there's no one picture that actually captures it all. There's no one time lapse video. They just keep people keep coming and coming and coming, and then the person recording ends up moving off. Because I know that when the front of the march got to the custom house, there were people still leaving Parnell Square. That's like most of O'Connell Street and half in a way along the case. So, yeah. so there's the numbers that turned out, which was incredible. But also, what I'm hearing from so many people was just the atmosphere on the day, like that it was just 
really it's unlike anything I've ever kind of marched on because there was such a sense of solidarity I think we did really capture a moment I mean it was there's been a lot of fear there's just been so much fear um in the previous few weeks yeah. that I, you know it it meant a lot to a lot of people I think and I just think that the kind of musical contingents along the march during the day really made a difference the kind of variety of groups that turned out and were part of it and then the atmosphere like Dean and Alva on stage the energy was brilliant the artists the speakers it it's like you put you know it, had, it was a mad couple of weeks it was really intense so much work went into it really last minute you know like it was it came together really quickly so then to, to have so many people torn up and really enjoy it and the feedback from people particularly people you know even on the stage people like Lucky Kambuli and people like Mema talking about what it meant to them what it meant to them that people were coming out and making them reminding them that you know how loved they are how part of Ireland they are and it just like that's like for me what was kind of most important the people who have really been on the receiving end of that hate over the previous couple of weeks uh kind of communicating that and I just think that there's been a bit of a shift I hope there's been a bit of a shift a lot of people feel like they can people who are kind of been silenced in their own communities people who felt like the acceptable thing wasn't actually you know solidarity and being nice to each other and being compassionate to each other people that were afraid to kind of speak out against what was happening I feel like now they feel like they can a little bit more because it was a reminder that like majority of people you know are welcoming are all about community and love and an Ireland for all yeah no I absolutely agree and I think um you know, in terms of the numbers, it's really important that, you know, there was definitely multiple tens of thousands there, um, without a doubt. And and that in itself is very significant because it's the biggest march in this country since 2015, since the water charges. Um, and the fact that, as you said, it came together so relatively quick, quickly, you obviously put massive work into it, um, I think showed, you know, there was a real sense of people wanted to stand up, you know, and be counted. And they felt that this was something they could do, you know, and literally by being there, they would be making a point. Dean, for you, what was the significance of the day? Well, look, you opened up with celebration and it is celebrate good times. Come on. I think that that's where we're going. This yeah. this took 30 years, you know what I mean, of, of failed Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael policies and da 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 da. But it also only took three weeks. You know what yeah. I mean? Me and Claire and Karen and Gary and a few other people got together around and uh, it took three weeks to get what I'm saying is 30,000 people, 50,000, a little bit of exaggeration, but I'm not caught up on the numbers. It was yeah. the energy. It was it, it's like GAA for activists. That's what it's like. It's that energy. And that's what we have as a country. You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't matter what corner the country is from. Doesn't matter where, you, you know, your family is from. Doesn't matter if you speak Irish or, or don't, if you're LGBT or not, if you're black or not, it doesn't really matter. None of that. If you're left-handed, it doesn't matter. This is Ireland for all. And that also includes those people who we're, um, you know, we might have issues with, you know what I mean? Even if it's Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, even if it's with, you know, people who are chanting racist, racist chants or far right. All of that is part of our country and all of that needs to be part of the conversation. And that's why I'm saying it's like uh, GAA for activists. It's like GAA uh, without, without the ball. I think that that's yeah. where we're going. I'm really, really, really excited. Um, the other day, just before I was going into the march, I was getting text messages of politicians and union leaders going, we're so disappointed. This shouldn't be the way it is. Da, 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 da. And then afterwards, all of them coming back to me going, wow, 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 wow. That was amazing. Well done. So it's about believing. And like I have the privilege of being able to be one of those people who just... If you tell me I can't do something, I'll accept that. But I'll also go, well, if I can't do that, what can I do? For example, here's an example. You can't stick a fork into a plug socket. But what can you stick into a plug socket? That's the way my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stick a fork into a plug socket. No, Ian, but what please. can you? What's the potential? What's the opportunity? And who can I gather around the table to have the crack with it? We had the crack on Saturday. You know what I mean? I got to introduce me mate, Maverick Saber, Adam Muhammad. There wasn't a roof on the venue, but he blew the roof off the yeah. venue. I got to meet Amanda uh, Addy. I got to meet so many people. I got to meet Sarah Phillips. And now me, me and Sarah Phillips are swapping conversations about, uh, you know, trans issues in, in the GAA and so on. 
You know what I mean? So it's it's yeah. phenomenal what happened beyond 30,000 people and a stage and music and two or three hours of coming together. The ripple effects that this will have in our nation. It was a pivotal moment. It was a defining moment. And I am so, so excited. So excited. I told a few people that I'm not turn, turning up to the next meeting because <laughs> it has that effect on you. This is this is powerful where yeah. we're going. This is powerful. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And, and I think that the pivotal moment bit was definite, like in terms of the sense, you know, there was a sense in the week running up to it that it was going to be big. And, you know, I remember getting, you know, the video posted and, you know, there was comments coming back, really, you know, we're going to be there. And there was a the talk of buses coming from around the country and, you know, people making the effort to be there. Dara, you know, you're involved in uh, Clondalkin for all. Um, and I was struck by on the march, seeing the groups, you know, the East Wall for all, the Clare for all. And, you know, it, it reminded me of the water charges marches, you know, the local groups. But the way in which and the speed at which those groups have mobilized. And I was, you know, down at the Fairview Bridge where we had hundreds, you know, in one of the I can't remember when it was probably a month ago now. But it was an incredible kind of spontaneous uh, obviously, it was organized, but in terms of, you know, people seeing it and just wanting to be part of it. And there was that sense that those for all groups in local areas played a key role in kind of mobilizing people and, and for people seeing, OK, we can be part of this. That if the march had just been called without those local groups been set up, I think it wouldn't have been anywhere near as big. I would agree with that. Um... Absolutely. We did a lot of work in Clendalkin for All, knocking doors with those Ireland for All leaflets. And even like towards kind of the day before the march, I was like, you know, did we knock enough doors? Could we have done more? Could we have done more stalls? Could we have chatted to more people? But I think having those local links and communities and within, you know, Clendalkin for All, we have a lot of uh, community activists. We have a lot of local councillors, independence parties, that sort of thing. And I would say yeah. it's the same across the board that there's a wide amount of people who are well-respected in their community who are, you know, disgusted with the intimidation that went on. So they acted as kind of lightning rods to bring people from different communities uh, all across Dublin. Um, also, I know, you know, people who organised uh, the buses from Belfast and Galway as well, because even though, you know, we tried to put out uh, a sort of national image, you know, putting stuff up all over social media, I feel like those local links within activist groups, what were kind of what tied things together. We ended up getting massive numbers out. You know, I think it's absolutely a win compared to like, I mean, I was thinking about last year where uh, through Raise the Roof and the Cost of Living Coalition, we tried to get as many people out on the streets to look like around 20-ish thousand uh, both times, although I don't have the exact numbers. So for us to go even further beyond that um, and with, I thought, think what was really important or something that I thought was great opening it, uh, Christy Moore and uh, Bernadette Mikowski opening it up and yeah. not just like first off giving kind of a vision of unity north and south you know but also uh trying to direct that anger maybe where it belongs uh bernadette saying how you know there's a crisis in our economic system in capitalism which is forcing people into this uh into the pits of despair which you know the far right kind of gives them a banner to hold up to say you know here's someone to be angry at i think it was important to have that sense of unity and a unity of vision of okay there we actually do have solutions for the crises that we have in Dublin across the country that uh, hopefully that goes as a message, you know, as the groups from different areas came into the march, hopefully everybody went home with kind of a vision of what we can work towards, you know, uh, putting those words kind of Ireland for all, housing for all, uh, services for all, putting that actually into action, you know. Dara, can I just come in very briefly and say your speech, obviously, um, it was people can watch it back. There's there's versions of it up online. But there was one part towards the end when uh, Dean was trying to scur rush you off the off the stage, if you scurry, recall. Scurry him off the stage. Yeah, scurry him <laughs> off the stage where, where you did say, I'm not going to take the blame for your failures anymore. And I thought that was a powerful moment because it was great that you said that because we know there was members of the Greens there. We know that the government have been involved. And I'm not trying to... <laughs> create that devo devo divisiveness but you know you're speaking from your own perspective your own upbringing and how you said that can can we just try and give listeners a sense of that because i think it was for me it was something i took away from the day and there's there's kind of i felt almost there's a way there's a way my sister talks about sometimes uh when she's walking home alone which i feel like a lot of women feel that you know people are watching you keep people are keeping your eyes on you women don't feel comfortable sometimes walking home it's felt like that a lot i feel a lot of solidarity with women lately 
for what they experienced because going out in public when these protests started it felt like everybody had their eyes on you you know that people were watching you that christ here's this person uh they've uh you know suffered at the hands of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and they're looking at me and think you know there's another and I got actually my picture was shared a lot around quite a lot I went to one of these protests and loads of people obviously didn't know me thought I was a refugee and saying oh he's come here to get a free house and all that type of shit and my dad's gotten loads of it before of you're here to be on social welfare you're here to do that because when there's crises like what happened in 2008 or the housing crisis now uh immigrants refugees people of color are a really easy target and it's you know it's a bit sickening having to take uh, abuse having to get horrible comments online and in person and that sort of stuff because of something you had absolutely no involvement in you know i said well i said at the march you know i didn't bail out the banks i didn't cut pay for any workers in fact it's not immigrants or refugees in the doll there's very few people in co of color involved in politics whatsoever it is you know, Irish people of a particular class who have really messed up society for the rest of us. So as much as, you know, I was happy, whoever came to the march, I was happy, maybe not so much about uh, some party banners or whatever, but I wanted to make it clear, you know, whether you came along or whether you didn't, we have to move on from this position where we're allowing anger to be directed at scapegoats. That's what it is, you know, uh, people who had very little responsibility for the crisis that we faced but are kind of an easy get out of jail free card for uh, the rich and the wealthy. Who's that um, goat down in Cologlan? Is that King Puck? Is it? Yeah. That's what yeah. I think that that's what we're trying to do the, the, the opposite version of that. Have have a goat that we can all point the finger at and go, it's the travelers, it's the LGBT, it's the black men, da 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 da. It's definitely not the banks or Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael or whoever. Um, I think that that's it's a really interesting point and it struck with me as well. Uh, and I think well done because you helped frame it, I think, back to people who might be pointing the finger. Go, nope, don't point it at me. Point it over there. That's where that's why we're out, outside the Department of Housing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I made that point that, you know, when we look at the housing crisis and how much it's been framed and used, you know, used so much in these, you know, the far right and these protests that, it's like, you know, the homelessness, what's going on and how they're manipulating it. And, you know, make the point that it's landlords, Irish landlords who are evicting people into homelessness. It's the corporate landlords who the government have brought in and it's housing policy that abandoned, you know, utterly abandoned these communities and through austerity and cuts. And, and the idea that somehow, you know, focusing this anger on refugees and asylum seekers, people of color is somehow going to improve conditions. When we know it's not, it will, you know, it literally, it actually means the problems problems will continue and get worse. That unless we take proactive action to, you know, change those policies. Claire, you wanted to come in. Yeah, just, I think we all know that like there's a, there's an element of the protests since they've started that are, are very political. They're right wing, they're exploiting the anger in communities and they know exactly what they're doing. I mean, they're, you know, it is, it's trying to lure people into fascism and that's, you know, to undermine democracy. I mean, they're they're arguing against any left-wing party that's active on this issue. And, you know, what's that going to land working-class communities into? Another government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Like, they're managing to convince people to act against their own interests. Um, and then they're doing it, in an, you know, in an inherently racist way, even though people might be torn enough because they're angry at the housing prices or, because, you know, mm. fear at their own situation. It's been expressed then in an inherently racist way because ultimately, you know, the, the framing around only a particular type of man being dangerous, it, it is. That's exactly what it is. And I think having someone particularly Dara's message because it, like the overall message of the march was if there was two, you know, there was a, a solidarity piece and an anti-racism piece, you know, diversity in that division. And then there was that anti-government, so to speak, piece. And there has been real controversy over that in the past. Yeah, days I saw that, yeah. Yeah, about how like, you know, well, if it, we all stand together and, you know, in an anti-racist uh, for an anti-racist march, we're all anti-racist. But if your policies are inherently racist, if you're upholding structural racism, if you have a direct provision system that is, in, I mean, a two tier, basically apartheid direct provision system that's been implemented recently, like you know come along to the march but you don't get to say you're not part of that system you know nobody was going to be turned away on the day but people expecting to you know be given a platform to speak over people with lived experience just can't happen because we're talking about trust here as well i've seen 
conversations happening from people that have been attending these marches saying, and I actually think they listened to Tony's podcast where he interviewed a lot of people and they were saying, I would have went in there if I'd have known that they, they were talking about housing and healthcare and all that kind of stuff. And, and I would have told them what our worries are and, you know, and we're not racist. And listen, we know the undertone of this, you know, if you're turning up outside of the direct provision system and shouting out, out our center and shouting out, 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 like you've absolutely crossed the line. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no, absolutely no defending that. But there, you can see that some people are starting to question it in these groups. You can see that they're starting to say, oh, hold on a second. And it, and it's that piece. It's that piece that says, we know why you're angry. We're angry too. But don't punch down. Don't direct it at people who have the same issues even more than we do. Direct it at the people who caused it and the people who have the, the power to change it. That's and a I bit more difficult to do, though, Claire. That's not easy to do. It's easy to blame uh, immigrants and, you know, it's a more well, difficult yeah. job to, to it's a more difficult job to join a union or register to vote or you know um stop backbiting activists or elders in your community who have experience that's more difficult going after the government is a, is a long-term thing that people exactly they need, the, need to initial, invest in the protest at the asylum secret center is this initial thing you can do right now whereas the idea of and again you know it's back to it comes back to us as, as you know, as activists, as the left, as people who are trying to change things, as community workers, that how are people engaged in a process of social change on an ongoing basis? And, you know, as all the work that we're doing, but it shows the, the necessity of extending it out. And, you know, how do we overcome people's sense of, of feeling abandoned? I just want to come in there. Want, Dara wanted to come in and then I'll go back yeah. to you, Dean. Yeah, I just had two real quick points because... Uh... Uh, you know, I feel like we're all sort of preaching to the choir here a tiny bit. I think you guys uh, agree with me already, but there's a kind of there's a more liberal way that some people talk about racism that like, OK, we'll all get together. Richard Boyd Barrett will shake hands with Leo Varadkar and that will be that sorted because we came together and had unity. And while unity of our different communities is important, there is material factors that are driving the far right that they're using to like like Claire has talked about people are so angry about housing and like you said Rory that uh those protests outside refugee centers gives you a banner to like to uh to show people your despair and your anger at the housing crisis so we do need to fight the kind of material factors that are driving that as much as like I'm sure the green party or other parties government parties are you know believe they're anti-racist despite you know some policies that they're implementing it can't just be about a kind of liberal sense of unity it has to be material about fighting the the conditions that allow groups like this to grow and what i would say is very important is those people you're kind of talking about and said you know we're not racist we you know i'm just worried about the housing crisis and stuff i think there's a large group of those people that we need to sort of drive a wedge between them and the organized far right who would try and manipulate them further down that line because while they're talking about refugees now it very quickly turned to immigrants and then people of color and after that it will be gay people and then it will be women's rights because a lot of the organized far right uh were sort of started off you know against marriage referendum and uh then they repealed the eighth um uh, in those campaigns so I think it's important to drive a wedge between the people who, you know, are actually genuinely worried and distraught and in despair about the housing and healthcare crisis and draw a wedge between them and the far right who will pull them down a really dark route that won't end with, you know, refugees. It won't end if they get a refugee centre rejected or any of this. Uh, it keeps moving on and there's a long line of people all stood up, lined up against the gallows of these types of people actually get into power and they have ever got you know, a massive amount of say in how society is run. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. No, no, again, point very well made. Dean, did you uh, pay for Tommy Robinson to come over? Um, I actually, I think that that statement that came out from, um, what's, I don't know, I'm not sure the name of the group, but I reposted it. And yeah, they, kind of, yeah. they kind of advised their own followers not to, you know, do a counter protest and that Tommy Robinson is not here to represent them. And I thought that was a very brave thing to do. And I'd encourage more of that. And I think yeah. I will encourage I, I was conversations. Your, I was struck by your posting and framing of it because I think that's a difficult thing to do as well to like, 
not just go, oh, they're all just racist, but actually to engage with them as well. In, I think that that's that the same. only way forward. Dialogue, conversation, uh, compromise is the only way forward. And, and I'm reaching out now as an individual and, and I'm putting my hand across and saying, let's let's chat, let's dialogue, invite me down to your group. I'll talk to anybody. Once there's no hate and intimidation, uh, like I'll sit down with anybody. And I think I, I actually mentioned uh, on the stage that I, I didn't speak much. I said a few chants like more blacks, more dogs, more Irish, Ireland for all. Let's take the fight to the doll. A few of those types of things. But I actually said explicitly, for me, this isn't an anti-Fina, fallen Fina, Gael thing. Just like repeal or the marriage referendum weren't anti-Fina, fallen Fina, Gael. They're anti-legislation and anti-policy, the structural stuff that Dara is saying that keeps this... Um, dynamic in play you know what i mean that sets people against each other that puts travelers you know in an apartheid system and, and so on so it's definitely not if, if we just create another boogeyman in fina fall and fina gail we're missing a trick i think we have a possibility here to uh work in working class communities inform learn from um it, you know in it, it put in the conversations about joining joining unions, tenant unions, registering to vote. We all know that, Rory, the stunning work that you've done on the housing referendum. There's a housing referendum coming up. There's possibly a water referendum coming up. Let's mobilise about those things. That's the structural policies and, and, and legislation that can really create a solid foundation 100 years after the establishment of our state. That's, that's the, the boat that I'm on. Yeah, clear. You know, yeah, something that really jumps out to me. A lot of us have been kind of involved in this space for a long time, you know, whether it's been local organised and community, local communities against racism groups or, you know, on a national kind of anti-fascist uh, kind of organising a little bit more on the ground for a long time. But we saw with Left Block um, and Trademark Belfast commissioned a piece of research recently um, around, you know, far-right organising and how sophisticated it is and how we've kind of got into the position we are where communities are... are, are been mobilized so quickly and mm. they reckon they're about 10 years ahead of us and actually it was during COVID that so many of those digital networks were um were solidified and there's trust now there there's actual trust there with the people who are saying these things so when you mentioned the housing referendum housing the housing referendum has now been spoken about in a lot of these groups and it's been framed as the government are going to come and take your home they're going to force you to take people into your home and yeah. it's things again back to that whole thing about managing to convince people to act against their own interests so you know trusted activists like a lot of us who've been you know organizing on the likes of housing or referendum to the, for the right to housing for a long time suddenly i'm hearing family members saying oh is that not about this or is that you know does that not mean they can take your house and it's kind of it's frightening how quickly and how how sophisticated the language is as well and it's like we're all you know involved in this a long time it takes up a lot of our headspace you can't expect people to understand the kind of layers of this stuff and how how a small minority of people are manipulating those conversations. But it's I also really a, think, it's a great opportunity for us to go in and then do the yeah. work that we do because this time last year they weren't having those conversations. Yeah. No matter what we do, Claire, no matter yeah. how many podcasts or interviews yeah. Rory does with Blind Boy, it's just not yeah. going in. But now it is, so it's a magical yeah. opportunity. So yeah. let's use that opportunity and yeah. have the conversations. I, no, that, it, that, that's what I was just about to say. I think it's it's the, it's community work and it's trusted voices that are everything in this that's who's going to like and the mobilizations are amazing and i think one of the reasons that saturday was so successful is because it it was community groups front and center it was groups affected by all, and all of these issues like dara said so it's you know it's anti-racism it's the it's people in direct provision and migrant communities but it's also uh it's women you know violence against women it's the lgbtq community who are also targeted by the same narrative so i really think that was massive on saturday and they're like there will be more to come but then it's back into the communities into the local groups it's having one-on-one -on -one conversations it's you know people you trust putting their faith in you as well and having a bit like and, and being willing to have a little bit of open dialogue i'm in dialogue with some of the people organizing some of those marches locally and trying to you know, and it is difficult, you know what I mean? Particularly when you know how harmful it can be. But the alternative is we push people further away. It becomes more divisive. And then we really lose people to, you know, to people that are trying to exploit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And speaking about time of which we do this, I was, uh, <laughs> it's 23 years ago, 23 years ago since I was uh, marching in Tremor in a solidarity march with asylum seekers, the first uh, asylum seekers that were arriving down. Um, they were facing deportation. And uh, yeah, it's a long, long road. Um, 
And it's interesting when we look at the Ireland of then and the Ireland of today, and I'm struck by conversations we've had before um, around values, you know, and the, the values of what type of Ireland we're trying to shape. And and it, it strikes me that these conversations and this reshaping of Ireland in, in those conversations is actually the way all this big change has happened. When you look at repeal, you look at marriage equality, um, and you look at even as a society, like the fact that we were able to and you were able to, and so many people came out, shows that Ireland has changed. And the fact that people were like, we want to get out on the streets. It wasn't like, oh, I don't, I'm not really into protesting. It was like, yeah, I want to be there. And I'm going to be there because I've seen Christy Moore, because I've seen you know all these people who are doing this, that it's all different groups. There's something in, it was like it was the first po- post-COVID moment where people could say, you know, we want something different and and the housing is in there. Generation locked out is in there like Katu, for example, the tenants union. They had a great um, mobilization for the march and, you know, their banners and their their, you know, you could see all the placards on it about housing and and landlords and, you know, who to blame. And, and I think as well, though, you know, alongside these conversations, we need action like, you know, the action on the eviction ban, like raise the roof to organize, you know, community events like housing protests that give people and show people we are actually taking action on this and they can be part of that constructively because there is a vacuum in that sense isn't there and i think not not to um not to be afraid to take action like this happens on saturday because of strong people like claire organizers who have experience who have confidence who have networks and connections who can access resources and there's there's thousands of clares all across Ireland in political parties in unions in schools in sporting organizations and it's just about like the the hashtag that we use in Ballymun for the Ballymun Health and Fitness Festival is get it done Ballymun just get it done and show people what it is and let's not focus on there are people in this country who wanted to stay the same who want that white Christian nationalist version of Ireland from a hundred years ago and we're not there we're, we're here and change is difficult for people even to talk about, never mind think about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Never mind. You know, and change the in the context fully, fully when people embrace. are change in the context when people are really suffering more and more. And I was struck in the I, I know Claire, you're going to come in and just to correct Dean, there's not thousands of Claire's. There's only one Claire O'Connor. Come um on, Claire. and uh the just the Irish Times uh poll today, I don't know if you saw it, um, and the difference in percentage of groups who people were asked, um, is Ireland going in the right direction or the wrong direction? And you can break it down by class and age. And what's significant I was struck by is that overall 52% of those respondents said Ireland is going in the wrong direction. 37% said it was going in the right. But if you go by age, in the 25 to 34 category, 60%, 59% said it was going in the wrong direction. 60%. That was the highest of any category. If you go over 65, just 40% said it was going in the wrong direction. But if you look at social class, in terms of the AB, highest social class, 58% or 60% said it was going in the right direction. So clear majority. In the lowest socioeconomic group, DE, just 25%. 62% of those, two thirds, said the country was going in the wrong direction. So that just shows, you know, we have a very divided country in terms of social class, social experiences, those issues going on. So that's what we have to, that's the reality we're facing and what we have to work with. Claire. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah no, I did. I put my hand up there and Dan actually touched on it. I was going to say, you know, like some of what some of us are involved in are inherently political, like Kayla is focused on that, you know, legislative piece and it, it, giving people a route to express their anger at policy decisions. And we've talked about loads of the things that are important here, but actually something that struck me yesterday, Dean shared a couple of things that are happening up in Ballymun. And what came to me mind straight away was this is a massive part of the work. Like it doesn't it doesn't have to even expressly be about, you know, the the issue, the far right, um, anti-racism or, you know, the refu- like the refugee crisis. It's actually community. And it's like the more sense of community everybody has, the more people are brought into community and the more people have to, you know, sit across from each other and engage with each other and play football together. Like that's all such a part of it. And there's a lot of communities that don't have that sense of community anymore for a lot of reasons. And um, there's a lot of communities that are being built that, 
it's almost impossible to get a sense of community because of how they're being designed. They're not they're not communities. They're just, you know, blocks and blocks and blocks of apartments with very little amenities and things like that. But I think that 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 community piece is just so important because it's an opportunity for people to actually go out and meet people and get involved. And then like there's so many different strands of this. I think that and giving everybody an opportunity to get involved somehow, like that anti kind of legislative piece for me is, is so important because I know it's it's inherent to the trust piece. It's inherent to giving people a route to direct their anger. That's not scapegoating people. But um, yeah, I think, again, it's like community, community work, like community workers are at the absolute pole face of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dara, you want to come in. Sorry. Yeah, Dean and Dara. I just got I got a text last night about 12 o'clock from a guy going, yes, 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 I see all this lovely stuff that you're doing, but still my child who has A, B and C conditions is living in X, Y and Z shit circumstances. Mm. You know what I mean? So uh, where are we going? What about me? And how come I see these people getting housed and so on? Now, some of that is, is misinformation, some of it's scaremongering, but a lot of it is true. And, you know, there are a lot of working class people, tens of thousands, of working class people, hundreds of thousands of working class people across this country who are just in shitty accommodation situations. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think we'd be naive if we think we can make progress in this Ireland for all thing without being very strategic and clever and inclusive in, uh, you know, ending rough sleeping, for example, in Dublin, in addressing the housing issues uh, systematically. And, uh, you know, so I think that that's, that's where my focus will be. That's kind of where my focus has always been, especially since Apollo House and highlighting that. And, you know, working with you guys here and I, I'm, I'm um, excited by the potential of the housing referendum, but also you can see where people are, there's potential there for more scapegoating or, or scaremongering. Yeah, Sorry, there, abso- there absolutely is. Dara, you wanted to come in? Yeah, I'll go ahead very quick. Sorry, I had some technical difficulties there and I had to switch to my headphones. So hopefully you can hear me all right. Yeah, okay, perfect. Just about the polls that you brought up, Rory, about how few kind of working class people who are paid the least or have the least wealth in society, how they feel about Ireland going in the wrong direction. I think Christy Moore, one thing he was saying about how in Dublin we were there at Customs House, you see so many cranes building, you know, hotels and apartment complexes that are going to be rented out that people who've lived in the city their whole life won't be able to afford the likes of people in East Wall. And even I think back canvassing for Ireland for All or for PVP, whatever I've done, the amount of empty homes I've passed by. And, you know, I knocked on it in the 2019 by-election and then back recently, I was in the same estate and you see the same house empty again. There is like, Ireland has become an just sorry, the point I want to make is, you know, immigrant or, you know, refugee, whoever can work is working hard. We've made an immensely wealthy country. It's one of the wealthiest countries on earth. And the amount of money from, you know, other places that passes through and gets, you know, goes through the IFSC and doesn't get taxed, all that type of stuff. The amount of money that is in this country, uh, you know, uh, that is funneled to a very small amount of people. And that's, you know, maybe where that we're seeing that divide in, you know, people who are high up higher up in those social classes aren't facing these issues uh they think you know ireland's going in the right direction sure uh my rental properties are making loads of money so you know that's good for me there is a divide there and it's something i tried to point out again like i understood dean you had everybody saying they would speak for two minutes and then everybody spoke for five minutes so i was kind of rushing through it and didn't get to say everything i wanted to say but that kind of divide exists and a lot of there's a kind of there's a difference maybe between explaining and uh, excusing, right? These protests, a lot of them have been intimidatory. You know, people are scared, people are terrified. There's no point in excusing that. But explaining it is absolutely important to what we're doing now. And, you know, not to repeat what you've already said, Claire, and what you said, um, being about, like, these issues about... Um, it's something we really need to go and like tackle. Like, I mean, I feel like the far right is now on the back foot. Uh, they've been, uh, I don't know if you've seen the splits in the National Party and all this drama, and they all hate each other now for whatever reason. I think having 50,000 people odd out on the streets as well kind of breaks their confidence a bit. I think we've bought ourselves a bit of time now where we really need to focus on these issues, where we need to dive down. And like uh, Tony put in a joke in the chat there to me about calling out capitalism. And I really just want to say, you know, like the, the root of the problem here is the profiteering that's happening and uh, the profiteering on the housing crisis in the healthcare where we have, you know, billionaires making a massive amount of wealth out of the private hospitals when, you know, people can't even get on a, a waiting list in the HSE for mental health services. So, I mean, that's the core of this issue. And, you know, we talk about, is it 
not Fianna Fáil, is it not an anti-Fine Gael march? It's, I feel like we need to, within these movements, try and win an argument about our economic system, that there's something fundamentally messed up about a system that creates how many billionaires, but, uh, you know, tens of thousands of children living in poverty, you know? Well, I just want to I, say I, on I, that, I, no, no, I need to say an important thing. This show is sponsored by capitalism and brought to you by the, the letters GDNP. So in your face, Dara. Good man, Tony. Good man. Vital intervention there. Um, the I think the interesting thing on in that is that, you know, there is, a you know, an acceptance and I think growing acceptance that, you know, capitalism as an economic model, you know, has utterly failed and has failed in terms of the environment, has failed in terms of inequality. And there is a question, though, what's the alternative? And I think what Ireland for All offers and points to is an alternative, is one built around a society built around solidarity, around cooperation, around different values. And I think there's something in that for me, that there's a seeds of something very, very powerful. Um, and when you look at you know what's happening across Europe um, and across the world, like the far right is not just a once-off phenomenon. You know, this is not something that's just happened now. We've done this great march and it's gone. You know, they are embedded. They're going to find different ways. And it's not just the far right. It's going to be another Peter Casey or Michael McDool getting very excited by it all or whoever who's going to give it some sort of legitimacy and whip up the anger. And I think that I think and I don't know Have you, you know, the, 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 the point was out at the march. Like, is there a possibility, a real possibility to keep Ireland for all going? in some sense, as something that is something more fundamental and as seeing the longer term kind of challenges of both creating an alternative society and also challenging that um, and addressing what Dean says, the very real issues. Yeah, um, and and also- I, I think that that's up to all of us. Like there's a broad, to use some shitey phrases, there's a broad coalition of people who are supporting Ireland for all. OK, and it's everyone from, you know, amnesty, concern, unite. Um, your local GAA club or whatever. Uh, so it's a kind of up to us all. But we, if we leave it up to that, it's a bit vague. So there are a few of us who are organising, like myself and Claire and Dara, who are organising and kind of getting something ready uh, to pitch to the whole country to go, how about this? How about everyone signs up here and we create a 150,000 strong lobby group and we can have real conversations with government because that's what industry does, for example. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's really the, the smart way to go forward. And then also to have cool shit-hot celebrations. For example, let's take Peter Casey up on his offer and we'll fill the Phoenix Park full of travellers, but gay people and black people and working class people as well. And we'll have a festival of cultures and love and we can talk about, yes, I understand what you mean by solidarity, but how the fuck do I get me kid off a sofa in a bleeding in a hotel? You know yeah. what I mean? That real shit that people will relate to. The, you know, solidarity and diversity are kind of fluffy at this stage. We need to get down to brass tacks. Yeah. Claire? Yeah, and just, like, I think, you know, we've been so screwed over as kind of working class people for generations in this country that people come up, it's normalised and people get a bit accustomed to it. And we have, we can then kind of lack imagination in terms of, and hope, just what's actually possible. So the idea that a different system is actually possible just seems too much I think like for a lot of us I think it seems like it's not possible so then we just focus on the local stuff but the reality is as well because climate destruction the refugee crisis is only going to get worse and we need system change if we're going to be able to create you know a, a country that everybody has a decent standard of life in and I think Ireland for All has the potential to really be a movement for that because you know it gave people hope and now we just need to we need to capitalize we're going to capitalize the, the word today, but we're going to capitalize on that. Use all the kind of goodwill that's there. Everybody, like so many of the groups involved, are already doing the work on the ground as well. Like everybody involved is already active in multiple other things. So, like, but Jane, we've, I think we that, we have done it. We have a country yeah. have done it. We've organized. We don't pay water charges because we got our act together. Yeah. So we changed how the market works, and we yeah. can do that. I remember during Apollo House. Three or four of us went off to a little island uh, in a lake up in Northern Ireland. We, we got political economies training for three days. OK, so uh, uh, training about how the uh, how the uh, economics and politics work together. And I think we can do that over the next couple of weeks nationally yeah. and set up some live streams or conversations or town hall meetings or debates or podcasts and systematically break that stuff down. Rory, that's your that- field. Yeah, that that training that you got 
I'm I'm the, the very people that gave it to you. So left block, that was the whole point that left block was set up with trademark Belfast was to political, you know, political our education and a media platform. But the political education piece, we're now putting it on locally here. And if it works here, it's going to be offered all around the country in road shows I, and stuff. I, like I think that. I think don't even worry about it being working there. It will work there. Let's oh, no, I know it will. Out. Yeah. No, it will. Let's, let, let's get all those people who supported us to fund a national political economy's education for the whole country, for Ireland, yeah. for all. Let's let's yeah. just do it. Let's roll it out yeah. for free. Because we were talking locally in Dublin Bay North for all about. So, you know, you, you have your immediate reaction to what's actually happening. You have the immediate reaction to, you know, protests outside the centre that people are moving into. But then it's just like, OK, but how long term do we actually, you know, give people political education so they're not sucked in as easily so they know the language that's being used against them they know the language that's been exploited in their communities so when somebody comes at them their gut tells them this is wrong you know and that is long-term political education and that's that's certainly where i see most of my effort going into for the next while because i think that that's the only thing that stops this cycle happening again and again and again well quite simply it's it's a 10 podcast series that's a half an hour each or it's an app that you go level one to ten over ten weeks and you complete it and you have it done that's that's not rocket science you know what i mean like i have a degree in computer science rory is the bleeding podcast king let's just bang it out i i think it's a great idea and i, I think that you know when you look back to the frarian approach to you know changing society you know, through education and that grassroots education, you know, real education. And that's when in big change happened in Latin America, you know, and, and I think that it is it is fundamental because we are f- battling a war of against misinformation through social media. And I think that alongside that, we need to find ways of constantly being in the debate and, you know, responding to issues as they arise, but also being proactive. Like, as you said, Dean, what are the things that Ireland for All is going to push for, you know, and push with? And so people feel, okay, I'm pushing for something. I'm I'm taking action on this because I know lots of listeners will want to be active. And, you know, the For All groups are there. They can, they're there now. People can get involved with them. We need people to stay active because that is what changes things. And I think there is a need, you know, as you're saying, um, Dean as well like the idea in this uh, in Phoenix Park of an amazing celebration would be an incredible event you need big events but you need action as well and we need to see change and things like the eviction ban actually being extended for a year that would be a massive you know real impact on people's lives and if we could achieve that in the next three weeks that would be I think a very significant gain and then what is it after that you know that you're going for like the referendum, as you say, but maybe it's, you know, real action on vacancy and dereliction. Like I'm walking, you know, down, drop my kids down to school, you know, walking the North Strand and you can see like literally houses with, you know, plants growing out of them. And obviously that's beautiful for the environment. And ideally you'd have people living in them with plants growing out of them. But like there's stuff, I think, concrete things we need to take on and go for and win. And I also think we can make it interesting. Like, there's no yeah. reason why at that large event in the Phoenix Park, we can't have people to sign up to an uplift, an uplift campaign or whatever, yeah. you know, uh, and use that power to lobby because that's an effective strategy that's used in politics and business all the time. There's no reason why we can't set up an Instagram group that's like eviction watch. And just like people go and do those, um, you know, when they all turn up and they all do a dance in Grafton Street. Um, Flash mob. Flash mob, but it's like a, it's it's like an eviction, anti-eviction mob. You yeah. know what I mean? You want to do something cool for two hours on a Thursday at four o'clock? Well, Chardon is being evicted in Kulak. Turn up there, play our music and sh- support Chardon. And I'm telling you now, you're going to have a, a, a loyal... Um, a, a loyal supporter for life from Chardon and from from our family. Absolutely, if, and that's and that's real, that. real work. Listen, I, I solidarity, could, yeah, yeah, real solidarity. We could keep and coalition on and on. building. Just one last thing, Rory, as well, because this this has the potential because so many groups got involved to be a real movement builder. Like you know, and yeah. you're talking about next next actions, and there are actions happening. There are you know, there's, right now there's there's communication building happening. There's meetings happening to go out to the whole wider group because it's so massive and get feedback from everybody. And Dean has, as always, like really creative ideas about the kind of events that can keep this kind of going culturally and keep people interested. And then it's just about, you know, splattering the 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 political, the community, the cultural, the musical, the social, you know, in and around that. And I think we have the potential to do that because we've so such a varied group of people involved. 
And this is a call out to Ireland for all. If you have a skill set that we can use, if you're a web developer, if you're a financial person, if you're a political education person, if you're a podcaster, if you're a documentary maker, whatever your skill set is, just reach out to us and go, listen, lads, that's, you know, I think he's our, it's being inspirational, but here's what I, here's the value I can add to what's going on. I think that that's when we really harness the potential of Ireland. There's no and stopping you at all. No stopping you in a podcast either. Go on. Claire. I just want to shout out the email you. address because Ireland for all solidarity at gmail.com. There was a QR code that was developed and put out and people have been contacting us that way. Again, there was so many people contacting that were just kind of collating that at the minute and we are going to make contact with everybody. But if you have, if you want to get involved, if you have any ideas, if you have any skills, it's Ireland for all solidarity at gmail.com. Ireland for all solidarity at gmail.com. Brilliant. Great. And uh, Dara, I assume people in terms can get in touch with uh, Clondalkin for all and local groups. Where would they find them? Um, often social media is very good. We have, you know, I can't quite figure out Facebook, but someone has set up the Facebook for Clondalkin for all. I run the Instagram. So if you want to get in contact with us through them, uh, that's the best place. But also you'll find Eastwall for all there. You'll find Drimna for all. Social media is the place to go. Yeah. So it's the over 50s on Facebook and the are over 40s on Facebook and under 40s on Instagram. What are the under 30s, under 20s on? Yeah. You see, look, I deleted Facebook some time TikTok. ago and it seems Sna- to have, Snapgram so, chat. <laughs> listen, TikTok is the place to go. I think it's all the demographics there, young people, old people, everything. So if someone's good at dancing uh, in Ireland for all, get them on. Dance. Ireland for all. I did, yeah. Okay, great. We will, before, you I have just to send me we, on that video when you're at it. We won't change anything until we get Catherine Zapone to write a poem about making Ireland for all. And then Leo Varadkar will do something. That's how Ireland works. We know this now. Great. Listen, Dara, Claire, Dean, and Tony, uh, thank you so much for joining me on Reboot. Ireland for all, fantastic, absolutely historic event. Um, really so uplifting, so positive. And we need to hold that, hold that energy, hold what we did that day, what people did, what you did in turning up. Um, and so many people who couldn't turn up as well, who expressed solidarity, who made a trend uh, for days on Twitter. So many people engaged and so many people I talked to afterwards as well said, oh, I couldn't make it, but I would have loved to have been there, that we were representing the country. Um, and I think that there's lots of things we've set out there, what needs to be done um, we will continue to highlight the issues and hopefully have lots of um, events and things happening that we can highlight in Reboot Republic. Claire, Dean, Dara, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you to you. Please share it around, uh, share the podcast around on social media, um, on Instagram, Twitter. Let people know you're listening um, disagreeing. Send us your comments, but please do share it around. The more people hear it, the more better. It is an education. It is social change in and of itself. And listen, thank you for taking the time to listen. And as Dean would say, we love you all. Talk to you all very soon. Yup the month.